Welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Jamie Urge, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my co-host, Megan Hustlein. Hi, Jamie. I'm super happy to be here. Um, I wish we were talking about a national title game with the Buckeyes in it. Unfortunately, we're not, but I'm so excited to break down the game with you. I'm so excited to break down the game with you too. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I mean, I feel like I'm being a Debbie Downer already. I did, the New Year just didn't start the way we wanted to, but that means it can only go up from here, right? It can only go up from here. Yeah, New Year, same same problems in the football world. Unfortunately. Uh, what will you be doing instead of watching the national championship game on Monday? Or will you be watching? I think I'll still watch it. I'll probably torture myself and, you know, still have to watch Georgia. But I will hardcore be rooting for TCU, though. I'm not going to lie. But I'll probably still be watching it. How about you? Well, so I I will not be watching it. I'm going to go see um, an Indian film called RRR at the Chinese Theater in L.A. for my birthday. Um, oh cool oh yes it's your birthday oh no yeah i'm not i'm not watching that game and it's like 10 (laughs) like i'm sure i will be able to hear people at the stadium like i don't yeah i don't need that uh no so so i'm gonna go out uh and see a movie and like sit peacefully in silence and then come back i do unfortunately have to root for georgia because one of my clients puts out national championship products for the team that wins but they don't have appropriate licensing for TCU so if TCU wins they like cannot put out their product oh and it yeah that'd be a problem not be good for my job that's fair that's <laughs> I have to root for oh, you're just in a lose-lose situation Jamie everything is bad <laughs> okay. oh man that's um tough. Yeah, before we get into college football playoffs, and we do have some tragic news to report out of the NFL, um, as many of you may have seen already um, in Monday night's football game between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals, Buffalo Bills safety Jamar Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest and collapsed on the field. Um, He is still in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, um, and there don't seem to be any real medical updates about his status other than the fact that he's still in critical condition. Um, Did you happen to see the game, Megan? Yeah, I was watching it when it all happened. I actually missed the play um, where it did happen, and I did look it up on Twitter just because I wanted to see and man, it was it was really tough to see. And then watching all the players' reactions, you just immediately knew, like, this is not a normal injury. Like, he's not getting up right away. Like, it was just devastating to watch and just very scary because, you know, we have never really seen anything like this. So I was just constantly scrolling on Twitter for updates. You know, no one really knew anything. Um, and I felt bad for you know, the broadcast team on ESPN, because what are you supposed to talk about while this is all happening? But honestly, I think they did a great job. I want to shout them out because, you know, how are you supposed to keep this show going for an hour while it was delayed? The game was delayed, but I think they did a really great job just, you know, being raw, emotional, talking just the truth, what they knew they weren't speculating. Um, So I think they did a really good job and I wanted to shout them out. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's one of those things where like you don't have information and obviously the safety of a human being always, always, always has to come first before like a game. Um, Mm. And watching like his teammates react in particular, like Stefan Diggs just really broke me. Yeah. Um, Watching him just like weep on national television um mm-hmm. I, it it just was it, exactly what you said like we really haven't seen anything like this certainly in our lifetime and um it was so devastating to watch like it was it was frightening no one really had answers ESPN is trying to do what they can do to report honestly and with up-to-date information but we don't really have the information um mm-hmm. What did you think of the NFL's response overall? Honestly, I was really upset that it took them that long to call the game. It took them, what, about an hour? I mean, this man could have died. Might have, like, who knows? You know, it was a very, very serious injury. And you just expect his teammates and the other team to just go back on the field and, you know, just act like nothing happened and play a game. Like... This is so much bigger than a game, and I don't know how you could expect these teams to go back and play. So I was upset that it took them that long to call the game. I mean, now I think they're trying to make up for it. They're providing all these mental health professionals for both teams, which is great. Obviously, they will definitely need it, but I just think it took way too long to call the game in the first place. I agree. I mean, taking first of all, it took, I think, a little over 20 minutes for them to even temporarily suspend the game. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give them probably undeservedly the benefit of the doubt, because I think that no one really knew what was going on. So trying to gauge whether a suspension was warranted versus like is this a routine i mean we knew it was not a routine injury watching this happen but Mm -hmm. i think from an nfl perspective if you're getting like calls in from the stadium and you're not there like i'll give them a little bit of leeway with that um it should not have taken an hour to call the game Mm -hmm. and i also think i don't know if you saw the update this morning um but they're now like fighting with espn (laughs) Because really? ESPN was reporting that the game would initially within that first hour before it was officially called ESPN was getting reports from NFL officials that the game was going to resume. Each team would be given a oh, five minute warm up mm-hmm. period yeah. and they would restart the first quarter where they had left off. Um, mm-hmm. And the NFL is now saying ESPN misreported all of that and they had never considered restarting the game um and so now joe buck is having to like come out and explain exactly what was going on behind the scenes from a reporting standpoint and i think it's really just the nfl recognizing that they received some criticism very fairly um and are trying to like backtrack and see what they can do to do damage control but right yeah i I don't know what to believe, you know, it's, I mean, I don't see why that the ESPN people would lie. I mean, I heard that a representative from the NFL talked to someone in the ESPN production crew who then told Joe Buck what happened. Like, I don't think someone at ESPN would just make that up. So 
I don't know. That was pretty interesting. Um, but again, you can't just expect them to go in for a five minute warm up because it looked like, you know, it was happening. And then both coaches were like, yeah, we cannot do this. So kudos to Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor for saying we are not putting our players through this. We cannot put our three, our teams through this. So thank God there. But I mean, ESPN, I just think they've done a great job of handling all of this. Um, NFL, not so much. Yeah. It's interesting too, uh, from a reporter perspective to have to deliver information when the information isn't really there. And you are also watching this play out as a human being, like, Joe mm-hmm. Buck is watching this happen in real time. Anyone who is watching at home knows how hard to watch the whole situation was and like how much confusion. And it was clear. It was just clear that the coaches on both sides, the players on both sides, medical professionals on both sides, like everyone was, was really upset and clearly traumatized by this. And also like you're, you're in the moment hoping that DeMar Hamlin's going to be okay and Joe mm-hmm. Buck is in the same boat. Like he's also a human being like, oh my gosh, is he going to be okay? I need him to be okay. And he's having to maintain his composure to be the one delivering information. Like that takes a lot of um, professionalism. And so, yeah, I think exactly what you said to kind of start this off. Like ESPN was was uh, very on top of what they needed to do that night. Um, but yeah, obviously mm-hmm. our, our best wishes to Damar Hamlin for a full recovery and sending lots of love to the Bills and the Bengals teams, um, but particularly the Bills and his teammates and his friends and family um, really, really hope that he's going to be okay. Yeah, totally agree with everything you said. Um, It does sound like there's some very, very early promising reports that there's some signs of improvement with him. You know, he's breathing uh, a little bit better, still on the ventilator, but still, you know, it's an improvement. Um, so it's sounding like it's going to be a very, very long road to recovery, but the early signs are promising. So I think just keep praying, keep thinking about him. Um, hopefully he makes a full recovery. I also, um, yes, absolutely. want to shout out for once in my life, the New England Patriots who are playing um, the Buffalo Bills this Sunday and they postponed their media availability that was scheduled for today due to Jamar Hamlin. Like they were basically like, we're not going to talk about the game right now. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Yeah. I'm not a Patriots fan either, but that is, I do appreciate them doing that for sure. I appreciate the way that kind of all of the teams have surrounded the bills and Jamar Hamlin and deferred to the fact that this is about so much more than like a game on Sunday. Right. I mean, the whole, the way the whole world has responded has honestly been very heartwarming and encouraging the fact that over $5 million was raised for the toy drive charity that um, he organized. It's been really nice to see all the response, the positive responses just on social media. So obviously it's not a great situation, but it is good <clears throat> to see some good come out of it. Totally. Uh, shifting gears back to college football, um, the Peach Bowl was not so peachy for our for our Buckeyes. We suffered a no. really heartbreaking one point loss to Georgia that ended our season. Um, what the heck happened? Again, we were oh my gosh. doing so well for so many quarters. This one is gonna hurt for a long time. I mean, 
we I really I just I didn't think there was any way we were gonna lose this game. I was Stroud just played out of his mind. Best game I've seen him play. The offense, they looked really good. The defense, the secondary killed us. So like you said at the beginning of the show, New Year, same problems with the Ohio State football team. I mean, the big plays from the Georgia offense were just dominating the Buckeyes secondary. And that's I think that was ultimately what killed us. You know, there's little things. I mean, maybe not so little, but couldn't really get the run game going. Kate Stover's injured. Marv gets injured at a huge time. But ultimately, I think the defense just, I mean, they gave up 43 points. So I think that's ultimately what killed the Buckeyes. Yeah. From an offensive perspective, we had CJ Stroud just to like rattle off some stats who went 23 of 20 of 34. He had 348 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, Aguka and Marvin Harrison Jr. Both went for more than a hundred yards. Aguka had a touchdown. Marv had two scores. Um, the offense, I mean, the offense looked like all the pieces had kind of come together for them. And Mm -hmm. I especially thought with the way that with the score that we had, like going into the third, I was just like, okay, we might, we looked dominant for the first half. Mm -hmm. Like even though the score was pretty close. We we looked like we were confident. We were playing really confident football. And then it just went downhill. Like poor Noah Ruggles was not oh so my gosh. best in this. I can't believe that that poor man had to take the field, try to kick this 50-yarder with the game on the line. Terrible. Terrible. No, I know. I mean, I really haven't seen like, too much hate towards him thank god because he does not deserve it at all it's just an impossible situation to be put in i mean a chance to send your team to the natty but it's a 50 yarder like that's so difficult and then with the added pressure of you know sending your team to the natty he's just been so great for us the past two years all season long you know he's been an amazing kicker for Ohio State. So I, I just feel so bad for him. And I saw that his, did you see his mom um, posted that statement on Twitter, just thanking Buckeye Nation for everything and for the encouragement, which I thought was nice. So it's good to know that, you know, he's mostly gotten just words of encouragement and just a lot of positivity all around on social media. Cause obviously he doesn't need the added, you know, hate mail. Obviously he feels bad enough. So definitely not blaming Noah Ruggles, but I do. I do feel bad for him. Uh, Yeah, I absolutely feel bad for him. And let's not forget, like, on the previous drive, he kicked a 48-yarder to put the Buckeyes back up 41-35. So he's already kicked, like, he's kicking some tough field goals. And it just, like, I just feel so bad that he was even put in that position. It is so not his fault. Um, Mm -hmm. I do think that this game solidified my long-standing belief mm-hmm. that CJ Stroud is better than Stetson Bennett because oh come on I think we all knew that <laughs> the the matchup of the it was fun to watch but like CJ Stroud played a far better game in my opinion oh I agree I feel like Stetson definitely needs the help of his entire team to make him look good 
Stroud, obviously, you know, he does too. He has great weapons, but he just really took charge. He looked confident. He played like he had nothing to lose. I mean, this was his legacy game, and he definitely left a legacy at Ohio State. I was really happy for him. You know, I've kind of gone back and forth on him. I haven't really known what to finally think of him, but he just played awesome. No blame on him for this loss. He played amazing, and I'm very happy for him. You know, he's gotten he's gotten a decent amount of hate in his Buckeye career because obviously he hasn't won in the big games, but I obviously they didn't win this game, but that was of no fault of his own. So I'm glad that he got to leave a good legacy at Ohio State. I agree. I also hope that um, when he goes to the NFL, he is drafted by a team that has an exceptional offensive line because I think that he can oh, really please. shine if he has yeah. like O line protection. But like, Lord help me if this man gets put in a Justin Fields situation. Oh my gosh! Like I, oh, as a as a Bears fan, I'm a Justin Fields fan first and a Bears fan like last because what they have done mm. to that man is. <laughs> infuriating so sad <laughs> yeah um I agree. what do you think this game means if anything for next season mm-hmm. I mean obviously we're gonna see a lot of players enter the draft so the team will have a different makeup we'll have a new QB um but do you think that this indicates anything for next season in terms of how the Buckeyes will play whether they'll be hungry for to to prove themselves I hope so. I mean, obviously they came out ready to play this game um, and they need to carry that same fire into next season. The defense, though, I mean, if Ohio State is going to get over that hump and make it to the national championship, the defense needs to be overhauled. I mean, Jim Knowles needs to put in some serious work this offseason, hopefully through the transfer portal. Um, The Buckeyes already landed one defensive back from Syracuse. So hopefully he helps. And then the addition of other transfers, um, some incoming freshmen, the secondary just needs to be fixed. And then obviously it's going to be a new quarterback too. So who knows who that will be. It'll definitely take some adjusting the first few games of the season. Luckily they, the Buckeyes play some fairly easy opponents so they can just ease into the season, kind of gel with each other. But I mean, the offense, it's there. The receiving room is going to be the best in the country once again with, you know, Carnell Tate and then obviously some other five stars, four stars coming in. Um, and then the return of the receivers from this year, aside from JSN. So offense, I think, will be fine um, with the veteran group they have for the running backs and the receivers. I think that'll help whoever the quarterback is. But I mean, the defense needs to get into shape if Ohio State can make it back to the national title. I agree. Do you think that this season was a step in the right direction from last season? Or do you think we kind of broke I, the end? I, if you asked me before Michigan, I would say, oh, for sure, 10 times better than last year. But then when we the Buckeyes ran up against you know, two very, very good teams, they faltered. So it's like, you know, how much improvement did that defense actually make? You know, anyone will look good against Arkansas State, um, you know, some of these other not-so-great teams. But then once you play Michigan and Georgia, you give up all of these points. So it's like, how much improvement did you really make? Um, you know, I think Jim Knowles 
is still a step in the right direction. He, I guess he just needs this off season and the addition of some new players because clearly the players weren't working out last year that were on defense and they didn't really work out this year. So I think just some major changes need to be made. Um, but I still think the addition of Jim Knowles is definitely um, a sign of improvement. Totally. And like, also, I think when you consider the games that were not close in terms of scoreboard, but like the games where we looked the sloppiest this season, those were teams that we shouldn't have struggled against. And like, I'm going to give them a pass against Northwestern because that wind yeah. was bonkers. Like mm-hmm. I, I think any, t- I, I actually think Northwestern deserves a pass for that loss. Like, uh, you know, we could have totally been looking past them. Um, and, I, and I just, you know, I think that they, they played a great game and the weather was not in anyone's favor in a way that is like so extreme. Like the weather's not an excuse, yeah. either. but that was so like, no one can throw a ball in 40 mile an hour winds. They couldn't even launch right. planes at O'Hare. Like that's where <laughs> an exception. Yeah. Um, but I think that to your point, like, the moments where we saw those pockets of weakness were not against teams that we should have been seeing them either. And so that's mm-hmm. something that um, I I hope we get cleaned up in the off season. Yeah. I um, mean, though. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. I, I mean, I was just adding on to your point, like these last two games of the season really did expose, you know, the issues we've been struggling with all year, but our offense was good enough that we could get a, Way with it um but obviously against two of the best teams in the country even you know our offense that put up 42 points I mean you can't get it done all the time so our, de- our offense has been carrying us all year and it's time that our defense stepped up and you know has helped shoulder that load too totally so we've got to pause and take a break but when we come back we have even more college football talk so stay with us Welcome back. So even though it was heartbreak for the Buckeyes this weekend, there was still a slight silver lining in the playoffs because TCU upset Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl. And if we can't play in the national championship, our rivals shouldn't get to either. So, did you watch this game, Megan? Yes, I did. And okay, I don't know how you feel about this. I know it's very like hot topic, but I was rooting for Michigan because I wanted to play them in the national title. But then obviously once Ohio State lost, I'm like, okay, I'm glad TCU won. You know? Yeah. So I had I was I think I was saying to my dad, I had a really hard time rooting for anyone in this game because my heart wanted a rematch against Michigan, mm-hmm. but because they played first and I wasn't sure of the outcome of our game yet, I was like, well, I can't cheer for them and then have us lose. So there, I did have this kind of like, and then when they started to lose, I was like, oh, this is great. Uh, <laughs> I know. Like that was kind of fun, but I did really want to get to prove ourselves against them this season on a national stage for the Natty. 
Um, however, we both kind of put our foot in our mouth last week when we said TCU really probably didn't stand a chance in this game. So my yeah. apologies to TCU. Uh, what surprised you about this upset? I I really I do feel bad for TCU. I apologize as well. Um, I just I feel like we shouldn't have been so surprised about this upset because, you know, the whole world pretty much is choosing TCU to lose. Like, pretty much, you know, I'm pretty sure Sunny Dyke said that everyone had Michigan penciled in for the Natty. And so, obviously, TCU is going to come in pissed off, having a chip on their shoulder, saying, hey, we have just as much of a chance to win as Michigan. So, the fact that they were so physical, they were so ready to play, they're so motivated. I mean, that's the thing. I feel like we shouldn't have been surprised about this game. Every time Michigan scored, TCU scored again. They led the entire game. So, I mean, with Max Duggan at quarterback, we shouldn't be surprised. So I'm just kind of mad at myself that I did not see this coming because we've been doubting TCU all year, and they finally proved. I think that they, like, knew, like, the rest of us as outsiders were watching and we were saying, okay, like, you're a good team, you're a good team, you're a good team, but who are you playing? Like, you're not playing anyone of right. Um, and Sonny Dykes even said in his post-game interview, you know, we ke- we kept hearing about Big Ten football is so physical, Big Ten football, Big Ten football, Big Ten football. And he's like, but we knew we were playing as good or better caliber football. And just because their conference wasn't maybe as respected as the Big Ten has been, I think everyone just sort of said, well, that's fine. It's like, it's cute. You're like the nice little JV team over here in your conference, but like come play with the big boys. And they knew that they could the whole time. Um, And so I think that was kind of that. Like, I think exactly what you said, like I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't see it because they had something to prove on that field. They were hungry. Um, and I think that they are uh, really fired up for this game on Monday. Do you mm-hmm. think that they stand a chance against Georgia? Oh, for sure. I mean, obviously Georgia is a great team, but TCU proved that they're right there with them. And Georgia, I feel like, kind of has that confidence of being the defending national champs, going undefeated, pulled out a win against Ohio State. Like, I think they might come in similar to Michigan, just with that same confidence, perhaps, you know, overconfidence. Um, But TCU is still going to assume that underdog role that they've been playing this entire year. And, you know, Max Duggan won final game for TCU. Um, I think they could very well win this game against Georgia. I think they could too. I mean, I, again, I think that we don't place enough em- enough emphasis always on how much motivated or how much of a motivate motivator it can be to have something to prove. And again, I think TCU has been doubted all season and they've always known that they're the real deal. And so now they get the chance to prove it. Like that's a huge motivating factor that Georgia doesn't have because everyone's always known that they were the real deal. I think that they've definitely got a chance. I also think that a takeaway from this Georgia OSU game is that Georgia is not an unbeatable team. 
they were spectacular right. in the second half and they are a great second half football team, but they're not unbeatable. If that field goal kick had gone our way, the game, you know, it's like maybe TCU gets out there in the same circumstance and makes the field goal. Who knows? I don't know. So they're not an unbeatable football team. And I think that that really exposed some holes that TCU could potentially capitalize on. Um, So I'm really excited to check the score after my movie on Monday <laughs> and not, not in real time, but my head says Georgia for work purposes. And my heart says TCU because Georgia is boring to me. I don't need a back-to-back champ. I'll um, root for I'll... TCU enough for the both of us. The, okay. The, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, there have been, Oh, also, Going back to this, we've got two Heisman finalists in this national championship with Max Duggan and Stetson Bennett. And once again, I think the better quarterback is not on Georgia's team. So for sure, I'm excited to see them to see them duke it out. Uh, Elsewhere in college football, we've had some interesting transfer portal announcements this week. Michigan's dropped a couple people. After this game, um, freshman linebacker Deuce Spurlock and uh, we had DT Julius Walshoff, who's from Germany, enter the transfer portal. Um, do you think that this is any sort of indication of anything for Michigan? Or do you think these are just two guys who know that they can get playing time elsewhere and are ready to go at the end of the season? I feel like it's got to be an indication of something bigger. Um, Obviously, there's been rumors that Harbaugh might go to the pros after this season. I mean, it kind of sounds like it's actually very very possible that he leaves Michigan. Um, Because I just feel like you don't up and transfer after you made it to the playoffs. I mean, obviously, they lost. But, like, still, you've been in the playoffs two years in a row. You're getting better every year. I just don't see why you just up and leave i mean it could be playing time obviously that's probably some of the reason but you know i you really don't get to as much as i hate to say it there aren't many better options than playing at michigan i don't know if they'll get offers from you know a better school than that but i don't know i feel like it might be an indication of harbaugh up and leaving yeah i believe also um michigan edge rusher taylor upshaw entered the portal like shortly after Welshoff did. Um, and he played in every game this season. Hmm. I mean, he was a backup. He's only started twice, but he played. So I don't know if he just thinks that he can, he can start elsewhere. Um, and is leaving, or if that again is a bigger indication of maybe Harbaugh going pro and, because again, I just think you don't start losing guys after after a playoff run, right? Unless there's something bigger behind it. And then another kind of big announcement is Florida State running back Trishon Ward entering the transfer portal. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's definitely interesting. Uh, I mean, he had a really solid year, and this is a big blow to Florida State's offense. So I don't know. I mean. He was injured, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, I mean, you could just come back and, you know, come back and be better next year. So this is an interesting one for me. I don't know. Maybe there's something bigger there as well. Not necessarily a coach leaving, but 
then again, it could just be a classic case of just wanting a fresh start somewhere new. Um, you know, who knows? Sometimes we just make too much of a transfer situation and re in reality, he just would be a better fit somewhere else. So that might be the totally. case here. Who knows? Yeah. I almost wonder, cause he did have a really great season before his injury. He was injured in the North Carolina state game. Um, and I'm kind of wondering if maybe this is just a case of like, he thinks that his draft prospects could be boosted at a slightly mm -hmm. bigger program. Um, so it remains to be seen, but I definitely think there are a lot of teams out there that would be a good fit for him. So hope he right. finds, hope he finds his home. Um, do you think that TCU speaking of the transfer portal is evidence that it works? Like they had thir they have 13 players on their team. They lost a lot of people to the transfer portal when Sonny Dykes became the coach, but they also picked up mm -hmm. a lot of people who are key players on their team this season. Oh, for sure. Is that they that this war that you can really like if you're smart about your plugging holes on your team that the that the transfer portal mm -hmm can build you a national championship program? I feel like they're the prime example of this. I mean, last season they went five and seven and they fired, you know, Gary Patterson, their head coach, bring in Sonny Dykes, bring in, you know, I think it was 12 or 13 new players, but, you know, around that same amount transferred out. So basically they replaced a big majority of their team. And, and you know, they plugged in some of those holes, like you said, um, on defense, I'm pretty sure that Sonny Dykes has said, like, you know, if we haven't fixed those holes, if we hadn't brought in these new players, you know, who knows where we would be this season. Um, and they're in the national championship. So clearly kind of just forming a new team based off the transfer portal can be huge. You know, you don't necessarily need a new team, you know, like TCU did, but even if you can just some get some of those key pieces like Ohio State, if they can get some key pieces to help them out in the secondary, I think that could boost them to the national championship too. So totally. all around, I'm a supporter of the transfer portal. You know, if it helps a player, boosts his draft stock, um, just finds a better fit for him, gets more playing time, why wouldn't you take it? And then, you know, it's a win-win situation because then it helps whatever team that he joins too. So I'm a big proponent of it. I agree. I also think it's a really fascinating case study for from a coaching standpoint of like Sonny Dykes talked in um, some pregame press conferences before the Michigan game. Like he's talked about how different it is to assemble your football team now in large part because of the transfer portal, because it used to be like your recruiting recruiting class was the end all be all. Um, right. And then if you had a good enough program, you could redshirt your recruiting class and give them that extra experience off the field until they were ready to go into a game and really like build those younger players up to the program standards. But now that's not really the way it works. And so I think what Sonny Dykes has done is changed his approach to coaching and to assembling his team. Um, and that I think you know, he's talking about if you, if you redshirt players, like the chances are they may not stick around. They might just say, I'm going to go somewhere I can play. So um, I think that he's really used the transfer portal to make his non-traditional program, like work mm -hmm. in today's football scheme. And um, I'm curious to see if other coaches 
will adapt in the same way that he did. But I think he has a very clear picture of how to navigate the transfer portal to his advantage. And that's part of what makes him such a great coach. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's honestly very impressive that he's turned this team around who had a losing record last year and now they're in the national title. He did that in his first season. So clearly he knows what he's doing, you know, first off to attract these players to come to TCU and then to form this team that works together so well to send them to the title game. So he definitely knows what he's doing. I'm sure head coaches around the country can learn from him and kind of follow in his footsteps while navigating the transfer portal, which is, you know, a fairly new thing that it's this popular. Um, but he has navigated it so well. So head coaches around the country better take notice. Totally. I would love to see a program like, an Illinois or a Northwestern mm-hmm. or even like a Minnesota that's like almost there and is just missing some of those key pieces to go from being like a good football team to an elite football team really like take some take stock of what he's done and try to adapt that for their programs in the Big Ten. Um, and I also think it'll be interesting to see as the people who are assistant coaching under him learn from him how they then go on and adapt this at other programs should they become head coaches down the road. Yeah, these are all interesting points. I mean, I think Illinois honestly could potentially be the next TCU, maybe not make it to the national championship, but definitely Brett Bielema has totally turned around that program um, with the implementation of him as the head coach. Once you gather those few players who I'm sure will come through the transfer portal after seeing their success this year, with him being the new head coach, it could definitely happen. So transfer portal is just always fun to follow and can completely change teams. So I'm excited to see how next season shakes out. Absolutely. Well, that is all we have for today. But before we wrap up the show, should we do our end of show shout outs? Yeah. So I'm going to do a combined one with you. Um, We mentioned it earlier in the show. I just wanted to shout out again, Damar Hamlin and the bills. Um, Continued prayers and support for him getting better. Uh, just very thankful to see all the love and support that he's received all around the world on social media. Yeah, just continued prayers and support for him. Absolutely. That is mine as well. Um, I think that, you know, we're just, we're all kind of waiting with bated breath to see how he's doing. And I hope that we continue to get news um, about progress and and good news out of University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Um, Also, if you have any interest in donating to his toy drive, um, there is a GoFundMe page. If you Google like Damar Hamlin community toy drive, you can find the GoFundMe. His goal was to raise $2,500 for toys for um, children in need. And he has now exceeded 5.5 million. So if you want to contribute to that, you could go ahead and Google Demar Hamlin toy drive. I encourage everyone to show him some love in that way as well, if they are able to. Um, and again, just continued, continued thoughts for healing um, and best of luck to him and his teammates and hope that we hear some good news about his recovery soon.
All right, that is all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow me at Jamie Yurich, Megan at Megan Hussline, and the site at LandGrant33. We will talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl, and as always, go Bucks.